Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Welcome to Midweek in the Word. Thank you for joining us uh, for another work or another week. It's going to be a, a slightly different week, as you'll note uh, that Tom is calling in and joining us remotely for the podcast this week. Uh, but as always, I'm Pastor Brad, and even though he's not able to be here with us this week, uh, Pastor Tom is joining us as well. Uh, if I understand correctly, right, Tom, uh, from the comfort of your own basement at home, right? Yep, 26 after, years after I departed from here, I moved back in. <laughs> Very nice. The home the home office is making a research. The home office, yes, sir. <laughs> brought to you off of South Street. <laughs> there you go. Good deal. Well, uh, fortunately, people are at least getting to see you on Sunday mornings and the videos we're doing there. Um, but for the time being, we'll be recording from separate locations, and we appreciate your patience with uh, the audio as you listen through here. But, uh, but uh, another week in, in the books, Tom, um, in your sermon series, as you've been working from Genesis through Revelation, um, and you found yourself in the book of Judges. We entered the book of Judges for the first time this last Sunday in Judges 4 and 5, and you were talking specifically about the life of Deborah in that book. So I want to take a moment and I want to review a little bit of what we talked about, hit on the high points of where we've been. Uh, what did we learn about God from the life of Deborah on Sunday? Well, I think the whole book of Judges uh, points uh, just to the severity of God's judgment uh, when his people claim his name, but they forsake his ways and worship others. And we see that God loves them enough to bring discipline on them, sometimes up to 20 plus years. So we see God defending his righteousness. And then um, I think also that he would raise up a judge for deliverance, which means then God also poured out mercy on those who were undeserving. Mm, that uh, that judge cycle uh, that's going to go back and forth between yep. that we'll see again uh, in a couple of weeks with the story of Gideon as well. Uh, what about yep. what about mankind? What did the story of Deborah specifically teach us about ourselves and mankind? Well, Deborah, along with the other stories in uh, Judges, just show us how fickle and faithless uh, we are. They they had experienced all of the blessings that God had promised them by dwelling in the land, uh, walled cities, houses they didn't build, fields they hadn't already planted, harvesting the grapes from vineyards that they didn't own beforehand, and uh, they would just turn their hearts away from God and constantly go back to the gods of the land. Yeah, it's a it's a painful reminder, especially since a few weeks ago from the story of Joshua, we were speaking of how Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve, and again and again reminds the people, pass this on to their children. Uh, clearly yep. the book of Judges shows us that, that neither of those things took place. Yeah. Yeah, no denying it. Uh, then finally, obviously this is a dark time in, in the, the life of Israel, uh, but how did that point us to Christ? How does this anticipate the gospel? Well, I think in each of the judges, he shows us that Christ is ultimately our deliverer and that he comes and fights on our behalf. He rescues the undeserving, and uh, he demonstrates it with incredible power. So uh, I think the faithfulness of God to to love tenaciously and to liberate uh, powerfully. Mm. Uh, praise praise God for that. Absolutely. Um, now, now, early in your sermon on Sunday, as I was listening through it, um, you took some time to, to mention uh, 
exactly what Deborah's story actually isn't teaching. Obviously, you spoke to what it is, um, but you mentioned a couple of things that the Bible is not teaching through the story of Deborah, which which seemed really appropriate to me, um, because I know well, even a brief internet search um, very quickly is going to reveal a multitude of misunderstandings and misinterpretations based upon the life and the story of Deborah. Uh, it's, it's a favorite story, no doubt, to, to twist and misapply. So that's the topic I would yeah. like to explore today uh, with you, because um, as, as we discuss talking about biblical interpretation, one of the things we need to talk about is the resources we use. Or who else's voices are we listening to while we're interpreting the Bible? And I think this is particularly true in, in light of the fact that most of us are, are locked in our homes right now and maybe listening uh, to more things online than we ever have. Um, and specifically, I want to look at um, reading, listening to, and watching sermons, since sermons are so easy to access in our digital age today online. Um, so, Tom, as, as, as you personally are studying a passage, trying to interpret it, prepare even to teach on it, um, why would you read or listen to additional resources uh, when trying to interpret the Bible? Don't we just need the Bible and the Holy Spirit and we're good to go? Well, I, I mean, to, to one degree that's true. I was just looking at First John 2.27, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you as his anointing teaches you about everything is true and is not a lie, just as it has been taught to you, abide in him. Mm-hmm. So too many times we even pull that out of its context. But <laughs> I, the reason I think I resort to that is that uh, just honoring and recognizing the gifts of the Spirit that God's given to the Church and uh, the gift of teaching, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, uh, those, those kinds of gifts are being exercised either in others' uh, teaching recorded or in uh, books that they've written. So uh, a humble theology says that uh, you could learn, uh, as well as teach others, you can be learning from others if uh, you allow the Spirit of God to use those gifts in your life. And so reading books for me is, is the primary source of that. Yeah, yeah, and so as we listen to sermons, as we read commentaries, things like that, uh, it brings an additional yeah. voice into the room, even though we're sitting there by ourselves, if we, if we can say that. Um, but, but let me ask you this then. Can, can we consult these sorts of outside resources too early in our interpretive process or too early as we study a passage of Scripture for ourselves? Um, without question. In fact, I, I, was, I was grappling with that a bit, just thinking what's the excuse that we have for going too quickly to other sources. And I, I think I was thinking about Proverbs 2, where he lists over and over, if you, if, you, if, you, if you long for it, like you long for silver and gold and things like that. So I, I think, yeah, we can and often do, but I think that it's based on our laziness. I don't think it's, I think we underestimate what the Spirit of God could do if we did the diligent work of studying first. So, uh, but it's just easier to let somebody else tell me what it says rather than to let the Spirit of God take me deep into the text. Mm. Which would be maybe jumping into the commentary right off the bat as, as you read the text. Um, so, so what you've used in the past for us here is, is you've used the coma process or context, observation, meaning, application. And you've talked about how moving through that process kind of protects our interpretive process. 
Um, and and yeah. for our listeners, if you if you missed our in depth discussion on that, we talked about it in the very first episode of the podcast. Jump back there and listen through that podcast if you're interested in more information on what we mean by coma. Um, but if coma is the four steps you recommend moving through, at, at what point in that process maybe should we consider consulting outside resources like commentaries, articles, and sermons? Yeah, I, I, I think that the, uh, the context is discovered by reading what precedes or follows the text that you're dealing with. Either if it's a book, you look at the book that precedes it and the book that follows it. If it's a particular chapter or a paragraph, the same. I, I think part of that's governed at how soon do I look at other resources based on what blessing you had if you've grown up in a Bible teaching environment, a Christian home, and you're familiar with the scriptures. But if you're new in your walk with Jesus, you may need to look at some uh, reference resources just to help you understand where you're dealing with this in the redemptive history. Uh, but, but basically context and observation. Observation is just the diligent work of looking at the text in front of you with a pad and pencil and just writing down what you see, looking for repeated words, phrases, concepts, ideas, and that. I think then uh, when you've done that, you, you should at least attempt to di discern what is the author's intended meaning. What, what message was the author trying to communicate to us and in doing that, I think you'll be pretty close. Then I, I think that's where I would say then you go to other resources and, uh, and not to look for the meaning, but to uh, validate the interpretation that you arrived at. Am I on base here? Or did I come up with something so novel that it's now heresy? Mm. <laughs> you know. So, uh, so I would say when you, by the time you get to meaning. And, and you've done your best to write out or to identify. This is like what I believe the author intended to communicate, then confirming that or adjusting that based on other gifted teachers, I think is the way to go. Yeah, I think I think that's a good reminder. You know, it seems like, you know, some of what you're talking about in context, if you're unfamiliar with a book, you know, some of the videos on the Bible project that we've recommended or a, or a yep. basic Bible handbook, you know, some of those resources can give you a sense for why was the book written, when was it written, those kind of things. But otherwise, try to hold off on especially consulting other sermons on the subject until you've really wrestled with the text for yourself. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I would even say on the Bible projects, uh, hold off on watching that one until you yourself have read that book and tried to find it because it's again that's just a that can become a lazy uh, way of uh of avoiding the, the heavy lifting of reading and meditating and uh, interpreting but it is a great resource for validation again but uh, yeah i think that's that, as you said that's that's a good step to take yeah good reminder I, I i think the clearest way i've ever heard it explained is you know consulting other resources as a conversation partner but in order to have the conversation, you have to be familiar with the, the material for yourself before you can have that dialogue. So that's that's yeah, helpful, yeah. You need to be a contributor to that conversation, yes. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, okay, let's, so, so let's try and get a little bit more specific. Um, talking about listening to sermons in particular, because I know it's so easy, and you're talking about kind of jumping the gun and, and hitting some of this stuff early, and it's so easy to jump online and, and find literally hundreds of sermons on any particular passage, um, many of which we admit probably aren't great resources. So, so assuming we're, we've done the diligence ourselves, assuming we've kind of held off on consulting other resources here, 
Um, how do we begin then to filter through all the noise that's out there on the internet? Well, I, I think even in that one, the question is, am I listening to sermons just to have my soul fed? That's a great thing. If I'm looking to someone to expound upon the text that's before me, that's a second motivation. And on that basis, then, it really, it really takes a biblical discernment to know, uh, is, this, is this voice that I'm hearing uh, valid or true? And, and because there's so many out there, uh, really need to, I think that's where the greater body of Christ is and where people with the gift of, of teaching and ministry, I was, I was saying about 1 Corinthians 14, let the prophets, you know, judge the prophets. So uh, before getting too addicted to a particular teacher, that preacher that maybe has a style or something that just attracts you, uh, if you don't know who they are or what their what their convictions are, uh, ask ask somebody that's got some spiritual maturity for some insight on that. I think the other is that most most valid biblical teachers will have, if you go do some background check, they'll have a doctrinal statement. Uh, printed so you know what perspective they take on the scriptures. If they're, if you can't find a published doctrinal conviction on them or the church they represent, I would suggest shying away from it. Just there's a reason they're not putting it out there. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's partially where I was looking to go with the next question as far as assessing preachers or sermons. And so I, I think what you're saying as far as trying to find a doctrinal statement, trying to find a position, know know where the person is coming from before you yeah. just listen with an open mind to what they have to say is, is really helpful, given, given the amount of bad, bad interpretation there is available on the Internet. Again, because, because there's so much being published today, uh, it, it, it has a marketing attraction to it. So, uh, so much of it is based on style rather than content and uh, presentation as opposed to message. So uh, really be a discerning to know, am I just simply being drawn to this because it makes me, it, it attracts me, or is it because there's real biblical truth being proclaimed here? Mm, good reminder. Um, now, let's, let's flip the coin here a little bit, or, or speak to, to maybe uh, something that we don't normally think about, because we also recognize that it's good to listen to a broad range of opinions, uh, even ones that we disagree with. Um, so, so when is it good to listen to a, a different opinion, um, uh, even within orthodoxy, as we would say? Um, and when do we decide that a sermon or a preacher is so off base uh, that it isn't edifying and it's probably best to skip that? Well, I, I think the first thing, that before you start listening to someone with a different opinion, you need to know why you hold the conviction that you do. So, uh, I mean, back, back in the 70s... Uh, Paul Little was writing books called uh, Know What You Believe and Know Why You Believe. And I, I think those are the kinds of things. So before you go look for an opposing interpretation, or you have to know, and, and I, here I'm thinking about Ephesians 4, where it says that we are not to be children anymore, simply swept this way and that way by every wind and wave of doctrine. So um, no, no, it doesn't mean that you're set in cement because... The longer you study the scriptures, you know, the more times you'll come to a text you hadn't considered before, and it maybe will tweak a little bit the way you understand it. But 
if you don't have conviction going in, you will not have an anchor coming out. Mm, that's helpful. All right, now real quickly here, Tom, um, as, as we begin to wrap up our, our conversation here, uh, it's time for what I would call the lightning round. Uh, let's try to get really practical for some of our listeners. Um, do you have some go-to resources specifically for sermons uh, that you would recommend to people that would be helpful for them? Well, I, I, I'm, I am not an audio learner. I, I love to go to conferences and hear great preachers, and I always have my journal open, and you'll even notice at church when you or somebody else is preaching, I'm in the front row with my pen out, I'm writing it down. That's how I learn best. So I don't commute enough to listen to a lot of preachers, and when I do, I get in accidents writing down my notes. So, <laughs> so I... I, I tend to, a, a lot of great men, uh, their sermons are now published in book format. After they preach it, they come in scripture. So um, James Montgomery Boyce, uh, I was told years ago that listening to him preach is like watching paint dry. <laughs> then the first time I heard him preaching, I was like, wow, where have I, where's this guy been my whole life? So I use any, I, anything I can get that James Montgomery Boyce has preached, I read it. Uh, D.A. Carson, love to read D.A. Carson. I love his things. John MacArthur is trustworthy. Uh, some of the old-timers, uh, Chuck Swindoll, much more devotional than uh, perhaps theological. Uh, uh, you know, Ray Stedman, back from the Jesus movement of the 70s, Gene Getz. Um, those, those are the kind of the people that I tend to gravitate to. I always like uh, to read uh, John Piper. Uh, I, I enjoy hearing him preach as well. I've known John uh, for a number of years, so I I can hear him on the radio and see him actually in action. Mm. So uh, th- those are those are kind of my go-to. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Hopefully, that gives people a bit of a direction uh, for some of the ones they can they can go to. I know the Gospel Coalition also has a good resource page with a variety of, of sermons you can access that's helpful as well. You know, Solomon said the, the making of books there is no end. And in our generation, the recording of sermons is no end. And so, you know, it is, um, I would listen most closely to people that have some miles on them, um, some, some experience. There's so many uh, young pastors that are on the learn, and they're going to be great down the road, but they haven't, their ministries haven't been tested. Doesn't mean I shouldn't listen to them, but if I'm really looking for the wisdom of the Spirit of God, I, you know, I, I I want to make certain in my diet there are those that have walked and led well for a number of years going in. So, hmm. well, and and based based upon that point, or maybe going off of it, one of the things I might recommend to people is you know don't forget about your local guys. You know, remember that we've got some excellent right. teachers and preachers around town, and you're close enough that you can see what's going on in their personal ministries. You know, don't out yep. don't out some of the guys from around town. Yep, Lincoln Oma has some incredible pastors, preachers, young ones, and seasoned ones as well. Yep. Excellent. So, so if I can attempt to, to summarize a bit of what, what we've got going on here, um, you've obviously made a major point out of saying, in a lot of ways, what it comes down to um, as we consume resources is, is being trained in discernment. And, and that just comes from time reading the Word you know, our 2020 sermon series and emphasis on engaging with the text yourself. And I know you would have no issue with telling people, you know, do the context observation and meaning stuff prior to coming to listen to your sermons, you know, and, yep. and have, a, have a conviction on where the text lands before even listening to yourself. 
Um, so yep. I, I like that you've emphasized that, but then maybe, maybe as you interpret the Bible, um, allow some of those resources to come later in your study. Engage with the text first, engage in the process, and, and try to come to it with an understanding of what it's saying, and then begin looking at these additional resources. Not that other people's yeah. sermons or, you know, there isn't good stuff to be gleaned, um, but specifically when it comes to our interpretive process, um, trying to go that way. Is, is, that, is that fair to say, Tom? Yeah, and I, you know, being a Berean fundamental preacher's kid, <laughs> I, I, I'd be remiss not to point to Acts 17.10. You know, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and speaking about those in Berea, in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And the one they were cross-examining was none other than the Apostle Paul. So, so yes, when, when the Word's being proclaimed, I, I have now accepted—when I, when I choose to receive it, I've accepted responsibility— to consider it deeply and confirm that it is the Word of God that I've heard. Good reminder. Good reminder for all of us. Uh, any final thoughts on this subject, Tom, before we head into this coming Sunday's message? Well, I, did, I, I think if people are going to build a resource library, you could spend a lot of money online as well as on your bookshelves. Uh, I would say just some you know, maybe we get a hold of you and get a list of recommended purchases that will guide them, reliable sources that were, and, and for me, I've, I've made it a pattern of collecting study Bibles. And I found that uh, after I've done my work in a text, if I go into footnotes of study Bibles, I've got maybe 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, those, those notes in the bottom are very quick, simple way of making certain that I'm on track or not. Excellent. We live in an age where there are so many resources available, and we would encourage you uh, to take, take them up on those uh, that are out there. Um, all right, well, let's get ready for this Sunday's message, Tom. Uh, we have Easter, albeit somewhat different than probably any other Easter that we've had uh, in our lives, for sure any Easter that I can remember uh, coming on Sunday morning. Um, so what, what are you looking forward to in, in this somewhat strange season preaching about on Easter? Well, obviously, uh, the theme of Easter ought to be the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> but but the, the fact is, and in, in, uh, the line that I think they will hear repeatedly on Sunday, is that Easter was born in a cemetery, and death died in that same cemetery. Amen. Uh, it's a great reminder, uh, East, the Easter message. Uh, any any particular interpretive questions? I know we're kind of stepping away from our sermon series this week, uh, but is there anything that you're kind of wrestling with in the passages you've selected? Well, mostly what I wrestled with was uh, was with, with the ominous cloud of the COVID-19 thing, and, you know, our, our homes, are, we're, we're all... Uh, sequestered at home, our schools are closed, our, our malls are closed, our sports are shut off, our, our churches are dark. And so really, I really grappled with is, is what, what is it? Is there something different that the body needs to hear this Easter that would not be the same in any of the 46 Easter's I've preached before? Hmm. Good. We'll look forward to, to you answering that question uh, on Sunday morning when we hear the message. Finally, how can we prepare our hearts uh, for the specific message you've prepared for Sunday? Well, I would certainly, you'll give them the text to be reading. I would encourage them to read those in advance. And then if, if it works out for them, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to do a watch party 
on Facebook at nine o'clock uh, Sunday morning, and uh, we did kind of an unannounced one last week to see if it would work. And uh, my wife's uh, line alone had 144 friends listening in, so it, it, I think that to prepare maybe to join the church family again uh, on Sunday in a different way, but join us at nine o'clock on the Facebook watch party. Good. We, we know it'll be an encouragement to those that tune in on that. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us for another week, listeners. Uh, we're, we're so glad you, you were here. We hope you're encouraged by the discussion. We encourage you to continue searching, continue being discerning as you consume resources out there on the Internet more and more with the availability we have today. And remember, um, if you are following along with the weekly reading, Easter's message was not a part of the, the planned reading. Uh, so there's a couple of passages we'd encourage you to check out in anticipation of Tom's message, that being John 11, verses 17 through 44, and Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, as you prepare your hearts for the message on Sunday. And then I would just reiterate what Tom said briefly uh, there, there a second ago. Our Easter service will be coming online Sunday morning. Uh, so I'd encourage you to check that out when you're available Sunday morning. And if you are interested, uh, we, we would love to have you join us at 9 o'clock a.m. Um, on Facebook for the live watch party in the hopes that you can interact even a little bit while stuck in your own homes with the church body uh, for our special Easter service this Sunday. Finally, we will be praying for you. We will continue praying for you, uh, both as listeners and as a part of this church. And we hope that your Easter and your celebration of Christ's victory over death and the grave is an encouragement to you. Um, and you find great joy in celebrating that together with us, even though we can't be together in person. Hope you join us again next week, and we'll be debriefing a little bit of that and getting ready for our next character in the sermon series, uh, Gideon, in, in, in next week's podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.